to the Schick Show. I am Scott Schick, your host, and today I'm with Hal Bowman. This guy is a, a he is an absolute rock star. He's been so beneficial to me as an educator, and he's been crisscrossing the nation, just trying to teach them up, man, trying to, you know, putting the word out, working, studying, consulting with the very best educators. Here he is. What's been going on? You're crazy busy. Yeah, man, doing the thing, you know, trying to resuscitate and teach your souls and keep them in the game and keep them out of the furniture business is really what I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to do. I'm having a hard time looking at you right now because it's like not real to me. So I started teaching in 2014. I ran yeah. into your stuff around 2018. And I was like, oh, man, like I was finally somebody hit me where I needed to be hit and somebody I could connect with and that made sense to me. Yeah. And, um, I'd, I'd been listening to, uh, I think the guy's name is Bill Simmons out of Michigan. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's the teacher of the year guy. Uh, best year ever. I don't Okay. Got it. Best year ever. And he had this coin thing and I'd met him at ball state when I was at ball state. And, mm -hmm. um, I was like, Oh good. A guy with super big energy and it's not snapping everywhere. And, you know, psh, and doing, all this fun stuff, <laughs> just somebody real right. uh, that I could I could connect with, and then you came along, and I'm like, ah, oh, holy crap! So I'm not I'm not the only uh, I'm not the only person out here just being real, yeah, and not trying to be something they're not, and I've I've always kind of had this um, authentic mentality about what I was trying to get across as a teacher, but um, but listen, dude, if that's who something like I have a friend. Um, She's a principal and she's all about, I mean, she's got confetti cannons every day and she's throwing glitter up in the air and do, but the, here's the thing. That's really her. Yeah, like she right. ain't faking it. And all the teachers I teach for her, that's really them. Like that's not a fit for me, Bingo. but listen, thank, thank God that they have her and they have each other. And if it's really them, I'm more power to them. Get after it, man. But I think like, that's the thing I, for teachers, like, um, like just, I want people just to be authentic and completely congruent with who they are and what they say. Cause if you're not like kids sniff that shit out and they know it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's not who you really like. They don't know what it is, but there's something about you. I don't trust. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I remember my first two weeks of teaching and I was trying to, I was with sixth graders. I was teaching sixth grade science. So I have an elementary background and mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I found out pretty, pretty early on elementary wasn't me um, yeah i love the little kids i do um but i'm a junior high teacher and that's where i spent all all nine years i was an educator i spent as a junior high teacher and then previous to that coaching uh coaching girls softball and it was with you know 10 to 14 16 year olds and it just made sense for me it's kind of yeah kind of who i am still i guess and um I, I got super excited about it when i got in the junior high class but that sixth grade class two weeks into it I just looked at him and I said, is this working for you? Right. And they're like, no. And I said, me either. We're going to start all over. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry I failed you, but I promise you I, you deserve better. And I'm going to do everything I can to make this class awesome. And we spent the next, yeah. you know, next week or so just kind of figuring it out together. And uh, that was a great experience, especially for, you know, I was 40 when I started teaching. 
So I, I came into teaching after spending a decade as a uh, repo agent. Uh, so, nice. <laughs> so the discipline thing, I wasn't real worried about it. I was, I was okay right. with being yelled at and, you know, but so gosh, man, I have so many things. And, and, you know, when I sent you that message, I was like, oh, I'll send you what I'm thinking. And you're like, nope, we're going into this thing. Uh, it's good cold, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, let me tell you why. Uh, by the way, are, 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 are we recording yet? We've been recording the whole time. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, so these dudes, um, there was a, um, trying to make it anonymous. There's another podcast and they sent me a list of questions and I said, Hey, I'm cool. No, thanks. And they said, no, we want you to know. I said, no, I'd, I'd just rather go. This is, this is go. Let's see what happens. Here's why. So I went back and listened to a couple of episodes and I'm not kidding. So they have a, they're interviewing a lady and they asked, they asked, how'd you get into teaching? And she says, well, both my husband and I are teachers. And they said, well, had that happen?" She says, well, one night we were out in area 51 trying to break in and he was there and met and we were both teachers and he goes, Oh, okay. And moves on to the next question. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, you gotta you ask know, about that. How could you skip over breaking into area 51? <laughs> That's so true. Oh yeah. gosh, man. I'm still having trouble looking at you. It's just so you know, this is just like a, a it's almost a fanboy moment. You know no. how weird that sounds. You know what I mean? But I just, I've, yeah. man, I've been so appreciative of you and, and what you did for my teaching career and, and keeping me, uh, keeping me on track with being who I am. And, um, actually, I've got a, a authenticity uh, podcast that um, that is out July second, and it's all about you know, are you for real? Are you for real? Yeah. And, and kind of that journey into becoming uh, our real selves and man teaching has taught me so much about that about being real dude it's everything you know when i years ago when i first started this whole professional development thing you know it was always the idea of what do we want from kids and this you know and and who do we need to be for that and it was always this idea around respect and i get it that's a huge thing but now it's it's more so like it's being real like that's how we earn the right to be respected and i know that sounds crazy wait i have to earn the right to be respected well in a kid in, like in the mind of a child yes like as adults no because you're a human being and that's enough for me but as a child like it's to be completely real and authentic in everything we do and say in front of them so that we can earn the right to be respected and the reason man I, the reason I think it is, is because like when you and I were growing up, like we respected our teachers for a couple of reasons. One was because our parents told us to. And that's, and that's, a, that's and like if you didn't do it, you'd suffer. And so but the other reason I thought the reason I respected my teachers was because. I didn't know the truth, like when I'm old, like back in the 70s when I was in school, I thought adults were awesome and should be respected because that's what i was told because we didn't have the internet we didn't have right. google we didn't have around the clock news and this is a generation a kid that sees the fall from grace of the most respected people on the planet daily like think about what they know they know about what cr the craziness that is happening in politics and these are supposed to be the most respected people of our society they see you know um professional athletes and hollywood stars get caught up in cheating scandals and all in drugs and are they're arrested for and like this these are the most respected people like think about like 
Bill Cosby. Like he's the most prolific rapist of a of a generation. Think about Tiger Woods. You know, he has hookers on speed dial. Lance Armstrong is cheating. And like these are the most respected people. And look what they did. So when we stand before kids as a teacher, kind of a child, they're thinking, dude, there's no telling what you're capable of. <laughs> you know what I mean? Based on all that they've seen. Home run. And so I think, man, I think being authentic like that, that thing of on authenticity is the most critical foundation that we have upon which we can build a successful teaching career and it has to be with ourselves oh if you're not going to be real with yourself you're never going to be able to project that and you were first thing you said was kids are going to sniff that out and you're right they're they know it they know it before yeah. we know it sometimes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, as an administrator, I was able to sniff out what was going on if a teacher was getting ready to leave or something. And, and I would be like, where are you going? And then, what are you talking yeah. about? What? I, I'd ask a principal that one time. I knew she was leaving. I just felt it. And I just went in and I said, hey, I know you haven't told anybody, but mm-hmm. what are you doing next? Where are you going? She's like, what? What are you talking about? I said, you're going somewhere. Yeah. Sure enough, like two weeks later, she she put in her notice. But you know, but kids sniff that out. They know. They yeah, know. They, you're playing me, dude. Yeah, that they they they've quit a long time ago, but they they're still showing up at the classroom. You know what I mean? How much behavior we see? You know, uh, just watching that behavior piece. Uh, I'm sure your classroom is similar to mine. I didn't have a whole lot of behaviors. No. Uh, maybe two kids you know, a year you know, came out of my classroom for something, maybe. And it had to yeah. be big. It, it was going to have to be big. Uh, I just handled it. Yeah, know? that's what I, I always say, man. It, it, it just about, <laughs> what did I say? It just about takes a felony for me to write up a kid. <laughs> like, you know, you got to break a law that's in it. addition to the school rule. <laughs> you know, because like, here's the thing, you know, when I was telling, you know, I was telling some teachers like, you know, like what if in my neighborhood, what if in my neighborhood here, anytime my son got in trouble, which was a lot, what if I said, that's it, I am calling the Homeowners Association, and they're going to take care of that behavior. Like, right. I would never do that because yeah. it's my house. This is my family. Uh. These are my kids. It's the same thing in the classroom, man. This is our family. It's our house, man. These are, these are This is our family. That's right. I, I'm, I'm in a leadership role just because I've been on the planet a little longer than you. That's about it. I'm going to facilitate what happens, but we're all in this together. Never. Listen, I've had to do it. I mean, I've had to just because I thought somebody's mom was going to get mad if I didn't write them up. But we handle it in here, man. This is our house. Yep. I'm with you 100%. I've always felt like when, uh, as a teacher, that moment I put eyes on them, they're mine. They're mine. And everything that happens is is my responsibility. And I want it handled. And then as a principal, as, as soon as they pulled on our property, you know, if there was trash on the ground, that's my fault. You know, when they pulled up, if they weren't getting through the, the I was always a, a, a drop-off line guy. Drop-off and pick-up line. Always. I'm out front. I, I remember a few years ago, you were talking about the guy in Texas. I think it was in Fort Bend County yeah. somewhere. Jumped on a hood. And I was like, oh, man, that's me. <laughs> I'm that guy. Like, people going the wrong way in yeah. my drop-off line. I'm standing out in the middle about getting hit. And they're looking at me like, what? What am I supposed to do? Like, you're supposed to follow the right. rules just like the other 400 people just did. You know, I'm not asking I'm not asking anything special. Just let's all do the right thing. And it's all about safety. 
You know, I'm, I'm willing to put my life on the line for your kid when they're here and when they're not here. Please respect yeah. that. Oh, my God, that video. <laughs> that was bananas. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. That was wild. But, you know, it is important, dude, because, like, you know, unless, you know, the thing is, if you spend a school year doing drop off, pick up and drop off, especially elementary, like you're going to see some, and I get it. I'm not judging anybody, brother, like, but mom is busy and dad's busy and they're on the phone and they're texting and they're trying to get stuff handled and they got kids and they're late. And the whole, like, I know, man, I got a family. It's wild. But until you see some kid getting out of the car and the door shut and the kid's backpack, backpack strap is still stuck in the car door and dad's taken off. Uh -huh. Like until you have that panic moment, like you really don't know what the drop off line oh, is really man. about. You know what I mean? It's It's scary. Pickup yeah. wild too. Pickup was wild at our school. You know, it just took somebody out there directing traffic for a minute. You know, right. It, it's it's really crazy to me how um, how worried about safety parents are until they're in a hurry. Yeah. And then it's like, what? What are you talking about? Right. Yeah. But it always is funny. What I saw something with some meme the other day talking about crazy um, parents, and not that all parents are crazy, but some of them are. And um, it was talking about, if you don't think they're crazy, then explain to me why they line up for pickup two hours. They don't have to spend an extra 10 minutes in line. What's going on with that? Right? I, like, I don't know. It blows me away. I would go out for like to, to put cones out an hour early. And there they are already sitting, yeah. waiting. It's insanity. But that's that yeah, accountability yeah. thing, man. Just taking ownership of, of our, our kids and of that behavior and the procedures and that safety and i think it's it's a man it's just part of being i think it's part of being authentic you know when yeah. you take it seriously it's who you are you know uh, man i could go on and on about just <laughs> safety stuff but so what's going on with you i i haven't even gotten to you know you've been a little bit quiet on social media uh, yeah, I just kicked it off. Here's the thing, dude. I just got so burned out, man, just on, I don't know, I think just the COVID thing and just the, you know, everybody's tribed up and their beliefs and, you know, conservative and, and, oh boy, and yeah. liberal and vaccinated and not and like, like the mm -hmm. whole thing. And, it just, and then just, you know, I think I was just a little bit demoralized and just the arguing and it's felt like oftentimes I was fueling the fire rather than contributing something positive. So I took a break, but now, you know, as of last week, I think I got back on, I've been doing some posting. I'm going to post a video today and, um, and I think I'm back in man. And, um, you know, I'm going to try to, to take a ghost and post a posting ghost approach to it where I just kind of get my stuff out there and whatever uh -huh. happens, happens. And, and I'm going to try to figure out how to reframe this social media so I feel like it's a positive contributing force in my life and the lives. And I agree with that. I certainly think it is. And, and one thing, um, you know, as, as being an educator, I stopped reading any comments. You know, I stopped reading yeah. the local. I live in a little town called Hartford City, and there's Hartford City happenings. And uh, I'll get on there every once in a while and just read through it. But I'm, I haven't taught in, in my town in, in a number of years. But, you know, the other little towns and the little areas I've been in, uh, you can kind of get hung up in it. You know, the, the McDonald's ice cream machine is broken in every city every day. And right. we got to get over it. But I, 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 I've started my podcast 
as a just a positive influence. And honestly, um, it is it's been therapeutic, you know, just to to get some ideas out of my own head. I think we get yeah. stuck in our own head, you know, just thinking about all the ideas. I, I, I think you and I are probably a lot alike in that to where uh, it's always it's always going. It, it never stops. And, and I continue to think, oh, what, what about this? And, you know, I've got a whole book of, of uh, things. That, this is my Make It Happen book. And this came from from one of my uh, one of my PDs I was in, a lady named Rhonda Rose. Yeah. And it's just I keep writing ideas down and. Uh, Man, that thing is is, and I carry it around sometimes, and almost looks like a Bible. Yours does too. It's like a little, but yeah, it yeah. is kind of our personal Bible of sorts, where ideas, yeah. you know, start to manifest, and you just start cultivating what's going to happen now, what's going to happen now, and um, yeah. So you're back on doing PD. Yeah, man, I'm doing a, a ton of it. You know, this uh, year has been crazy, um, just awesome and exciting, and um, some breaking but you know so yeah i'm out there and you know it's never been needed more i agree i think in the past people have really wanted it but now i think they they desperately need it and you know i think teachers are really looking to to try to figure this out like what this thing is really all about you know i prior to covid we're just you know kind of going through the motions and doing the thing and we're up there in front of the class we've accepted this honor and privilege and we're doing it and teaching and COVID really changed everything, you know, especially in terms of what what this teaching thing is all about. Because what we discovered, you know, which was something we always knew about, but it was in the back of our mind and I brought it to the forefront of our mind was that these kids have they have access to everything, everything. Like they they have the information. I was, I was about to hold up my cell phone, but I can't reach it like on their cell phone, like whatever you want to know, they got it. Yep. I mean, from the app in math class where you just hold the camera over the problem and it gives you the solution on the screen of your phone to Google Translate for Spanish class. And, you Chat know, GPT. I mean, yeah, uh, that thing, dude, if, if 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 teachers haven't played with Jet, Chat GPT, you're, you have to get on you there. It is wild, man. Like, it, so kids have access to all the traditional stuff. So we really got to this point where they are desperate to talk about what do I really want for my kids? And I've been talking about this thing for 15 years and people thought I was crazy, but now we're at a point where we have to talk. Listen, they have that. They have like, once kids get basic skills for reading and understanding information and synthesizing information, they have everything they need. Like after, at about like a junior high reading level, if they can get terms of math and they got everything at their fingertips. So as a result of these kids spending their lives with you, the most influential they're ever going to have. It's you. Mm -hmm. What do you want for your kids? Like, what's the real lesson that these kids are going to talk about 30 years from now when they're at the reunion and, and you know, and they're going to think, you know, you know what it was in that class? You know who I am today because of her, because of him. Do you know how I parent my kids because of what I learned in that class? That's what teaching has really come to for me. Listen, I want to put the knowledge into the noggin for sure. I want to I want to send the kid out the door with all the skills and the technical abilities for sure. But none of that is going to matter if if we're not able to have a strategic impact on that kid's character and who they're becoming as a human being. And like if you signed up 
to change a kid's life, if you signed up to be the most influential person in the lives of human beings and like shift the trajectory of a kid's life, like this is the time, like this is the Super Bowl. There's never been a better time than that, than, than right now for that. I think about um, how through COVID, you know, you go to Google Meet Education, right? I don't, yeah. I'm air quoting. People can't see on my podcast. I don't video like yours, but I'm air quoting everybody. But um, during that time, think about that kid that's at home. Mom and dad are the, it's the first time they've been educated, you know, or like in a classroom since they graduated high school. And it sure didn't look like that when, when you and I, or, you know, even in, their parents were in, in school and they are having the internet issues, yeah. the on and off, you know, the reconnection, um, can't find it. Um, you know, the kid could find it in two seconds. They yeah. ain't kidding me, man. The kid knows exactly where it is. And they're like, oh, mom, I can't find it. I, I'm supposed to click here. And mom's like, well, you're clicking there. And then all of a sudden they start hearing their first teacher, their parent, talking to them about, well, this is terrible. I can't even believe they're making you do this. And, and right. you know, and I'm sure there was some some great stuff going on there too. I, I'm, but I'm thinking about you know, poor and Timmy's always always my person because, well, Timmy's just my my guy and Sally's my girl, you know. And Timmy's sitting there listening to mom or dad or grandma or aunt or sister or whoever it might be, trying to help them get connected, trying to find that that lesson on Google Meet, and they start. And their frustration starts to come out through that process. Uh, maybe not day one, maybe not day two, maybe not day 15, but probably somewhere around there where it's like, this is terrible. I'm so sick of this. And they start chattering into those those kids' ears. And that's what they're hearing from now their yeah. very, very first teacher. And boy, those kids that were, you know, third, fourth grade at that time are now seventh, eighth graders. And that's who I was seeing were the seventh, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth graders that were coming through. And those kids have a different outlook on education than maybe their peers that are a few years older that, you know, it's new. (laughs) This is a tough time for all of us. So we've got to really regroup. And I think what you were talking about earlier, rebuild that idea of what an adult is in the child's life. And a perfect segue you were hitting into, I thought you were going to nail it for a second, <laughs> but just relationship building. Relationship building, oh, yeah. I don't think has ever been any more important. Uh, and, and I wrote a note here just to remind myself, but I'd interviewed for a, a principal position a, a while back. And one of the things I was asked, you know, what is, what do they, what do I feel my biggest strength is? And I said, relationships, I've doubled down on relationships I've doubled down on the idea that my relationship, not only with the student, but with the parent, with the, with the teachers, with the custodians, with, you know, the local people, anybody that is anywhere looking at me as the educational leader, I have doubled down on that relationship. I didn't end up getting that position. And I always follow up, you know, always follow up and say, Hey, you know, what were you thinking? What was something that stuck out to you that maybe I could I could brush up on do differently or, you know, I need to do better. And they mentioned to me, well, when you said you doubled down on relationships, that's when it kind of ended for me. And I thought, what? Thanks for not hiring me. Well, yeah. I mean, in the long run, yeah, it was like, really? I mean, I can't think of 
anything more important than that relationship. That kid likes, trusts, and respects you. You could you could tell them the sky is green, and they're gonna they're gonna love on like you. Like right now, dude. Right now, it's the only thing that matters. And when I'm talking about as a precursor to all that we want to do as a teacher, like I really want to ki- have this kid to have a command of this information. I want to hit this kid to own the information, not just a note for the test, but note for the rest of his life. Like I want this content to become wrapped up in the double helix of this kid's DNA forever. In addition to that, I want this kid to identify his core values and take that on and live his life authentically according to those core values, why he has all this new content in his head. Mm. And if any of that's going to happen, man, it, the first the first variable in that in that formula is relationships, to, to, to connect with that kid on such a level. So like every cell of that kid is consumed with the belief that this is my teacher. This is the guy that believes in me and loves me and trusts me and is not going to give up on me. And yeah, I am your teacher. And and yeah, when I get in trouble, no, I'm not writing you up. No, you're not going anywhere. Sit down so I can change your life. <laughs> like I want that kid to feel it, man. And and once you get to that point, like that's when we have, you know, it's not. And people call it buy-in, but it's not that the kid has bought in, and they they realize that I'm the one who has invested mm-hmm. in that kid's life, and they know that this teaching thing, like we call it. You know, like when we say, all right, I'll be your teacher this year, like like that's like the double whammy, monumental, epic lie of the century. Because, yeah, I'm your teacher, sort of. I mean, you can call it that, but that's just like one ingredient in the recipe. The rest of it, I'm your confidant, I'm your guide, I'm your leader, I'm your crazy uncle, I'm your mom, I'm your best friend. Like, on and on. And it's not just this year. It, like, we'll be together for the rest of our lives. You're going to remember me, and I'm going to think about you forever i have a former teacher i I live uh, i live on a golf course and um i moved in last year and i'm out i'm out back working on my yard and here comes a golf cart riding along and i look over and i recognize it's mr bergdahl and mr bergdahl was my my science teacher in high school and i'm like oh mr bergdahl he's like "Ah, scott it's dave call me dave and i'm like I'm struggling with that. I still can. And, and like I was, I would taught with his wife and, and I, she still misses Bergdahl to me. Cause she was one of my teachers too. I struggle. Like even, even man, I struggle with it. And he's, he insists that I call him Dave and I can't, I'm having trouble saying it right now. And he's not even in here. It, you know, it's, it's always going to be coach Ugin. It's always going to be coach Sutton. It's always, it's, I love those people. Ah, tearing up a little bit on that one because they love me. Yeah. You know, as mean as Mrs. Hughes was, and God rest her soul, she just passed away. I love that lady because she cared enough to be, to make it hard. She cared enough about me and my peers to make things hard for us so that we would remember them. Yeah. You know? Ah. And it was that relationship that we had that I still hold on to. Sure. You know? And, and that's why we can, for some bizarre reason, we can remember crazy information and content about so that class that we didn't so even much. care about. Like, so I don't much. care that gold is AU on the periodic table, and I'll never use it, but it's still, for some reason, locked in because of the relationship we had with Miss Snyder in that class. Yeah, man. I remember Mr. Coy bringing in a coyote, 
And in Indiana, coyotes were kind of ex not extinct, but very rare back in the late 80s, early 90s. And when Mr. Coy brought in a coyote that had been hit out on the road, it was a big deal. But <laughs> you can't do that stuff nowadays. No, no. You, well, well I, I had a teacher I worked with, Mr. Allen, that, you know, he'd go out hunting, he'd, he'd shoot a deer and he'd bring that like the deer heart, the deer lungs, all that stuff in yeah. so the kids could touch it, smell it, feel it, see it. And, you know, some of the kids were like, Ugh. you know, the other kids were like, ew, you know, and it might be the first time that kid who's never had someone in his family shoot an animal, but he ate it all. I mean, it was like, it was consumption. It was an educational thing for him. Yeah. But it might be the first time that kid has ever experienced that, and it might light that fire. And I always think about that piece, too. You light that fire in some kid, and it's a it's a game changer forever. It, yeah, that could be that turning point. And I think that as educators, man, that's what we all want. When it comes down to it, like I don't care what the kid's thing is. All I want is for this kid to find his passion, whatever he loves, find a and thing. fuels his soul and contributes to the greater good. And, and and whether that he wants to be a teacher or a police officer or 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 she wants to be a scientist or what I don't care it doesn't matter to me just what fuels them and passionate about it and want to do it for the rest of their lives to serve mankind, like like that's what it all comes down to. Hundred percent. So I'm I'm wondering and this is kind of off off there because uh, man I get so much I want to talk to you about like we could be on here all day and I know just do it man I got time let's go. <laughs> so. Uh, you had a podcast and it was rolling. Are you bringing it back? Yeah. I thought I saw it on your Yeah, website. I'm going to bring it back. Yeah, for sure. We're going to bring it back. And uh, we got some guests lined up. And and uh, and again, just like you said, it, it might be um, just uh, more for me than anybody else. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any, you know, and that's the weird thing about podcasting. You know, you can kind of tell, I mean, there's some, some data on who's list, not who, but where they are and how many and all that. Mm -hmm. But I, but it was, um, it was interesting podcasting this being some in some airport somewhere and somebody walk up and ask you about it. I was like, what you're listening. I had no idea. <laughs> that people is were bizarre. Listening. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, bringing it back, man. And, um, and I think, you know, for me, what I'm, what I'm really focused on is having just, just those everyday teachers, like those anonymous American heroes that are on the front line of our nation's leaders who are sitting in our classrooms today. And because I think people forget, man, these are, I mean, these are just everyday heroic men and women in the trenches teaching school and, and no one's telling their story. You know, we have a lot with, you know, people that stand on stage or, you know, podcasters or authors and their teachers and, or they have this crazy Instagram following because, you know, they have a cute classroom and they, and they have great eyebrows or whatever. But the thing, but no one's talking about like the everyday teacher just doing the thing relentlessly, educating and loving kids, not giving up, loving them relentlessly, and like I'm, I want to get back to telling their stories. I love that. Uh, one of my one of my first guests was a, a good friend of mine. He was my mentor teacher, but he was also a friend of mine growing up. His name's Tommy Simpson. He's two time teacher of the year here in in Blackford County, and. Um, Tommy has a great story. You know, you talk about the whole rock star thing. Uh, he was a rapper yeah. when he was younger, like legit rapper, had been in a room with uh, Lil John at one point, and, you know, at some showcase up in Chicago. And the uh, guy's just incredible, has a great personality, and 100% down on, on building relationships. 
understands the accountability piece. He's himself in the classroom. Um, but we, we were just on here talking about pet peeves. And we spent a little bit of time talking teaching, but then we just talked pet peeves. Uh, it was just fun to talk to a, like regular people and yeah. uh, to find out, you know, regular people are rock stars in, you know, in, in their, sometimes in their own mind. I'm a rock star in my own mind. I don't know if you can see on the back wall in my in my camera, but uh, I was in a band years ago. But so I'm I'm my own little rock star. <laughs> but you know, in the, as as an educator, we are we're a rock star to somebody. And yeah. uh, I can remember doing PD with my with my staff and just talking about there's someone in that room that's watching and listening and hearing everything you're saying, and they'll never tell you how much you mean to them never, but they're there. And, yeah. and whether that boy or that girl is in the back, you know, just taking it all in and going, man, that person, you know, they mean so much to me. They're consistent. They're, they're themselves. They're everything I want to be. They're actually up in front of people. And I'm, you know, I'm the, the church mouse in the corner. They're watching you. And that moment when uh, you act out of character, it impacts them in a great way. But all those other times when when you are just being true and working your craft and, and teaching is, uh, I think, two parts science, eight parts uh, art. I, I really believe in the art of teaching. Uh, I, there are times when I look at my degree and I'm like, why is this a bachelor's of science? You know, well, right. th- this is an art form, what we do. And. I wish it was you know, BSBA, you know, so you got hit on both. Ah, man, teaching teaching for me was, was really incredible. And I, there are times I feel like a little bit of a comet. I flew in really hot. And um, I, I don't know that I'm done. Yeah. You know, there are times when, when we're sitting here talking right now, I'm like, God, man. I'm gonna miss- yeah, I still, you know, I still think about it, man. I still, I still want to go back. You know, I've been on stage for a long time now. I've been traveling and, you know, doing hundreds and venues and schools and districts and conferences a year. But there's not a day I don't think, because there's one thing I re- I've never taught. And I really want to is I really want to teach elementary school PE. I want to be, I want to be the gym teacher in the elementary school, man. You know, because if you think about it, like this is when a lot at the for most. No, but the vast majority of elementaries, they have very few, if any, men. I'm talking like strong, virtuous, character-driven men standing before kids, modeling what it looks like to be a great dad and to be a a, a great values-based human being. And in in that room, everybody can have fun. Everybody can be successful. Everybody can be a champion. Everybody and and like I really want to do that. And also getting back to it, man, like what you're saying, the difference between the science and the art. Listen, dude, I really wish it was a science. I really wish there was some sort oh, of formula to make it easy. But that's the thing. And that's why teaching, I'm, I know you get more. I, I think I, I shouldn't say I didn't get better. I got better each year. Yes. Maybe I just was more experienced. But the thing is, come across kids you never even imagined was a possibility, mm-hmm. a personality, a learning style. It, and and so like that's the beauty that's where the art comes in because like what, what worked perfectly for this kid's sister last year is not going to work anything for this kid that we have this year 
And so that's the art of it is how can I take my content and my teaching strategy and manipulate it and form it and mold it so I can deliver this content to this kid so that I can impact this kid's life. You know what I mean? I'm talking about creating that relationship, building the connection so I can deliver my content in such a way that I can impact that kid's character. Like that's complete art. There's no better feeling. I mean, there's very few things that are better feeling. You know what I mean? I mean, it, I, as a dad and as a husband, like I, I get those rewards. But boy, when as a teacher, as a professional, so and yeah. I've, I've been very blessed to to have different professions. Um, there's never been anything more rewarding uh, than that that light on moment. You know, that kid that no one else has reached, and you found it. Yeah, you found the switch. Turn that kid on, and and even if it wasn't academically, but you just see a change. You see them all of a sudden. You know, maybe the kid that didn't care about anything or had that appearance they didn't, because I think every kid cares. Um, yeah, you know, but when that light comes on, and you see it, and you know that there's something you have done and who knows what it is right? <laughs> sometimes you're like i don't know what the heck just happened but something did, exactly you know but you see that kid all of a sudden engaged caring you know just pumping out something that that proves to you and everyone else and and more than anybody themselves that they do care that they are worth it and, and that's that's the prize is when a kid realizes they're worth it that maybe never did yeah man you know and, and the crazy part is like you said you never know what's going to be that magic ingredient for that mm -hmm. particular kid on that particular day i can't tell you how many times i'll see some kid i taught 30 years ago and and this is also the scary part and and, and, and we'll be talking and catching up and the kid will go oh my gosh i'll never forget this and they'll tell this story and I'll just smile and nod and go, yeah. But I have no idea what they're talking about. None. I don't remember any of that. Are you good with but names? That, I'm right. terrible with names. Uh, I can. Here's here's the way it goes for me. I can I, I can recognize a kid because now they're, dude. Now the kid's 42. You know, <laughs> and I can see it in the eyes. And but then I can start. Okay, what class were they in? And I can picture mm -hmm. who was around them. And usually, if I, if I can get enough detail, what year and what school class and who else is there where they sat in the room i can get to the name usually but but these kids will say i'll never forget the time you, that you, and i have no idea what i'm talking that what they're talking about mm -hmm. but they talk about how it's impacted them and which is great but also i think how terrifying is that like what else have i said or another teacher said that impacted a kid negatively maybe right. i was being a silly and sarcastic but i didn't know what the kid was going through at the home and now that's in the kid Boom. equally equally uh, uh influential just in a negative way like that's terrifying as a teacher oh and, and we both know well enough that a kid uh, all of our brains not just a kid's brain but that negative piece is so yeah. much more powerful than the positive piece especially at that age oh lord man and that always that scared that scared me to death that there was going to be a, a moment where just something came out of me that did impact them negatively long-term. I can yeah. clean something up. Like I, I'm pretty good feel for what's going on and I can clean up pretty quickly. 
But what about the kid that didn't show it and I didn't catch it? And you know what I mean? Because yeah. you look around the room, you know when that kid's like, oh, and gives that look and or just that feel. It's almost like some nonsense, you know, nonsensing sense that we have when it's just happened poorly. Yeah. And I got way more hypersensitive to it for sure after I had my own kids. Oh, yeah. And listen, yeah. dude, when I mean, there, there's no telling. Like looking back when I'm in the classroom at 22 or and by the way, I had no business teaching anybody anything when I was 22. But there's no telling what kind of nonsense I I spouted out in the middle of class to try to get some kid to be quiet, you know? Right. But once you do it enough and, and you can see, Oh my gosh, I just, I just like, I, I hurt the kid's feelings, mm -hmm. you know? And then when you have your own kid and you become hyper aware and sensitive to their feelings and how other things affect them, like, Oh my gosh, that's when, yeah. you know, teaching really changes. I, I remember that moment when, when I realized, Oh my gosh, I'm yelling at a kid. I yelled <laughs> at a kid. Like and it and it I know it happened early on. I was a dean for a couple of years and I was terrible. I thought, you know, you gotta be as a dean, you gotta be that guy. You yeah. know, nobody had taught me differently. And um my first year as an assistant principal, I was so thankful for the principal I had, the most caring, uh patient man that I'd ever known. His name's Dan Grill and Dan was just so patient and he never raised his voice. And I was like, ah, oh, he's so good. Like, and it yeah. changed how I approached everything. Um, in all, in almost every aspect of my life, it, it was just a game changer. And here I am and he's younger than me. And we would always joke that I was his, he, I was his mentor. <laughs> I was the first year APs. Like he'd been in a, 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 a an administrator for a few years and he's my principal he hired me but we would joke around about i was his mentor man he taught me so much and here i was at you know my mid-40s and i'm still learning that that lifelong learner in me is still picking up things and looking for you know someone in in my life that had had knowledge i didn't possess and you know for a long time i've had the approach that you know everyone i talk to has knowledge i don't have and just listen very closely you know think about what they're saying how they're acting and take that in and just like this conversation here how do i take away from this and learn from you so that i can then you know just be a better human being ultimately i mean that's what we're all trying to be just the best human being we can be um, and that's why I want to have you on the show anyway. I, I mean, that was the whole thing was I thought, man, this guy is just striving to be the best human being he can be. And he's out there and, and I'm using your word, shouting it from the rooftops to get everybody else to listen. And I'm just I, very envious, man. And so thinking about that part of it, what, what does that look like? What does that look like when, when Hal Bowman comes to our school to, to work with our teachers, our, our school, our kids on school culture. Cause the school culture is huge to me. Yeah, man, this has been, this has been the challenge of, of schools everywhere and classrooms and teachers. It's been such a big challenge and, and it, there's a lot of reasons. And I think one of the challenges we have right off the bat is somehow along the way, and I don't know where this happened, maybe with the, 
when things got really cooking on the internet, you know, a while groups and on Facebook groups for principals and leadership courses and all that stuff. But somehow we got it stuck in our mind that this one person, this magical wizard at the front of the building who has the big office, the principal is going to be in charge of school culture. Like this one person with a thousand people on campus and we're running transportation. We have healthcare on campus for feeding. We have nutrition for kids. We have after school activities. We're trying to teach them something during the class. Like all that's going on. And this one person is going to be in culture like that that blows my mind and and for like this this last year and this coming year what i really i want teachers to take that back mm-hmm. you know i was thinking man like years ago when i first started teaching in the 90s i i can't even tell you the name of my principal for like the first 10 years because i didn't need them i don't know who they were it didn't matter to me he's like listen man turn the lights on unlock the door in the morning you know feed the kids <laughs> in the middle of the day put them on the bus when we're done lock up after we leave like I'll handle, I got it. You know, I I didn't need them, so I don't even. Mm-hmm. But it, we, it's for some reason, it's like we become so dependent on this one personality that we think is going to drive culture. And I get, yes, they're a total influential force. But here's what we all know. I guarantee you, I don't care. And I know this sounds crazy. I don't care what's going on on the campus. When you come into my room, it's a whole different place, man. When you cross the threshold and you come through my door and we close it and lock it behind us, this is our family. This is our world. And for my kids, man, you got, look, you got to do two things. One, to know what you want. And two, tell me. My job is to make it happen. Mm -hmm. We're going to make that happen in this classroom, in this family for you. And when they leave here, my same kids who are amazing in my room, they're going to go be animals in some other room because that's what they do in that room. And they're going to be crazy in the hallway. Because, But I want people to know that your classroom can be a completely different place. And I want groups of teachers to take on that for their hallway. You like as an AP and as a principal, you know, man, like mm-hmm. there's the hallways. There's some hallways that are very different than other hallways. And we can have a culture for our hallway I want teachers to take that responsibility back now from like, how do we do that? It really comes down to getting crystal clear on like the three big questions is what we talked about already. What do we want for our kids as a result of our kids spending their lives with us? We're the most influential people they're ever going to have. Ultimately, what's the real lesson of my classroom and, and why, like, why am I here? Why, why, why this school? Right now, you could go get a teaching job anywhere. So why yeah. these kids? Why this school? Why this campus? Why this subject matter? To have a, have a deep, meaningful answer for why are we doing this and who do we need to be as a school family for our kids? Who do I need to be for my kids? And if we're not crystal clear and and, and have that clarity for those three answers, without that clarity – Man, it's really, it's really hard to, to impact culture because if you think, if you go back in time and think about the best year you've ever had, I'm talking it was, it was amazing. You felt like you were in that flow state every day and it was positive. You felt it was rewarding. It was awesome. It was fun and kids are learning. Everyone's engaged. If you think about that, like that year, what the secret ingredient is in that recipe that people tend to forget is clarity. Like everybody was on the same page. We all knew what the mission was. We all knew what we were doing every day. And being clear, like right now, I feel like most teachers, not all, but most, especially the ones that are struggling, 
really lack clarity in what they want for their kids and, and why am I here? They don't have a good answer about why we're here and who do I need to be. I think we've lost it along the way. Where do we get that back? You know, that here it is, man. It, what I have found the most, um, the easiest, um, I shouldn't say easiest, the simple, it's nothing easy about it. The simplest way is when we get a group of teachers in the same room at the same time having a deep, meaningful conversation about it. Because what they f tend to realize is, one, we're all struggling with the same issues. And two, deep down inside, we all want the same thing for our kids, no matter what we what teach. And we're here because we love them. But th to have that meaningful conversation together, like it takes someone to facilitate it, mm -hmm. first of all, it's easy for me because it's it's way easier for me because I'm not part of their family. You know, like I'm coming in from the outside and I don't know, I don't have, I don't know about the relationships. I don't know about the weird unresolved issues and challenges between people. Right. I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't have the stories, you know, the layers of emotion and the anger and the frustration. I don't know none of that. Right. So I just go in not know. So it's way easier for me. But there has to be someone who can feel so, you know, facilitate those conversations. And I've always said, you know, there that should be a regular part of professional development for team leaders, department chairs, is being able to have understanding how to facilitate meaningful conversations among teachers. Because if you don't, they have natural conversations. To have a meaningful, emotionally based productive conversation isn't natural it's not like part of human nature so what's natural for teachers is to be empathetic and that's dangerous because the reason it's dangerous is because when somebody comes in and joins the lunch bunch they just warmed up their orange chicken lean cuisine and they sit down and they say oh my gosh I had Terrence today. Oh, you oh, I know he's the worst. And they go on and on mm -hmm. because remember what, what that is, that's loving. Like that's empathy to connect with somebody on their challenges and to, and to identify with them. Me too. Oh, well, you're lucky oh, yeah. you don't have William. Cause if you had William, you would know. And they go back and forth trying to one up each other to let each other know that we're struggling too, which is very loving, but it's that toxic downward spiral of empathy mm -hmm. that reinforces just the negativity and how, so I think there, it, there has to be that person on staff who is an expert facilitating positive conversations about what's really happening for kids and teachers in the classroom. It just takes that one to just, say, that's the thing. That's the amazing yeah, part. Dude. One. Yeah. It just takes a one personality and the one that can turn everything around. You know, people always ask me if I follow sports and, and there's, there's no teams that I follow as much to follow coaches i love mm -hmm. to see where a coach mm -hmm. is going to go because you know they're a winner that you know they're going to turn this thing around you know like that wasn't a fluke this is what they right. do right you know like love that and, and one person really can and and again we were brainwashed to think it's the principal it can be anybody on campus it could be any teacher in any hallway in any classroom it, it's man it's so important to have uh, mm. Because that lunchroom can become very toxic. It, it, it can become a place where you can drive off some great people. And again, it's not, there. there's no, um, it's not intentional. It's not ill will, which it's just a very natural thing mm -hmm. to talk about how hard it is. It's like that mirroring effect, you know? When, yeah. When, when we smile at one another, it's, it's just natural. 
smile right back, right? I mean, our brain tells us, oh, we're supposed to smile back. And, you know, if I laugh, you'll laugh back. It'll be like, you know, if somebody gets the hiccups, you get the hiccups. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, the same thing is happening there, which is very simple to, oh, yeah. Oh, I want to feel better about my experience with Timmy, too, you know. So I I get that. So just so you know how I have a self-imposed hour. It's, Let's do it, yeah. Um, and so I got I've got a couple questions I got to ask you about. So, uh, Fort Bend County. Somebody said fastest growing county in in the nation. Uh, did, did the, all these places are insane, man. It, like, it, here's I can tell you when I was in I wasn't in Fort Bend. It's just a it was in Harris County, just north of Fort okay. Bend. But all these populations when we when I was still teaching, we we were um, I taught at a brand new school. And within just a few years of building the school, we had over 70 portable buildings at the high school. Oh, my gosh. And we we're building two high schools within just a mile of the same school I was at. And as soon as we built them, they're immediately overcrowded. <laughs> like, at one point, we had over 5,000 kids in a school that's built for 2,200 kids. You know, and <laughs> I mean, we, um, I mean, this, this tells you how many portable buildings are. We ran out of numbers. So like we had, but we had little letter words. And so my, the name, my, my, I was in, I was in portable building number gamma because we ran out of numbers. (laughs) So we went to the Greek alphabet, right? (laughs) Yeah. So it's all these districts, man. My brother moved down uh, to the Richmond, uh, Richmond, Texas area. Yeah. About nine years ago, he works for access health down there. And Mm -hmm. uh, he was, he was telling me, it's just crazy that these, corn or these cotton fields that he once drove by there's now a target you know yeah. or, uh target has purchased the land uh, or somebody has purchased the land they're not built yet but they know it's coming so yeah. they've got that property already and like crazy amounts of uh community planning going on just to to prepare for that next wave of growth and where they're where they're moving to so man that's just I watched a little bit of it uh, here on the north side of Indianapolis um, when I worked down in Carmel and, and just watching the Hamilton County uh, around Indianapolis grow like crazy uh, still continues to, but not like that. Uh, yeah. That just seems like um, something really, really special to watch. I don't know what else to call it. I don't know if there's it's a chaos, man, but okay. I'll tell you, there is a whole lot of rich um, uh, rice farmers Okay. <laughs> like, because they've sold their land or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. My next question, big question here. Tell us about homecoming moms. <laughs> Wait, here's the crazy thing, brother, is um, not many people, if you don't, if you're not from Texas, you probably don't know about it. But what has happened years ago, the homecoming mom thing was during the homecoming game. It is just tradition that the boy, you get a homecoming date. And now there's like this homecoming proposal you have to do. That'd be like Instagram worthy. And so you get yourself a homecoming date, but you got to get her a mom. And years ago, this was an actual flower, like okay. a real life flower that is decorated with the spirit ribbons that matches the school colors and the whole bit. Maybe a little plastic football that hangs from it. But since then, it is it is this monstrosity 
that if people don't know, you got to Google Texas homecoming moms and it is crazy. And kids will spend hundreds and if not thousands of dollars on this, this, <laughs> what it is, it's a sculpture <laughs> with a plastic flower and they light up and they make noise. It is absolutely insane. Some of them, it's like, you ha- it's like a reverse backpack. They come with shoulder harnesses oh back in the day used to, to the girl's blouse or her t-shirt whatever she's wearing at school but now they have like these shoulder harnesses because they're so big and it's almost as if like your value as a person is based on the size of the mom that you receive (laughs) you know your love for your 15 year old date you know as a young boy it has can only be determined by how much you spent on her silly homecoming money that you bought from the grocery store dude these things are wild I asked because I've seen a picture of you donning yeah. a uh, a homecoming mom. It's bigger the, than me. It was bigger than you. <laughs> it was absolutely insane. And I thought, man, I got to ask him about that and find out what's going on. But here's a funny thing. I was talking, I was just speaking in Louisiana and, and of all places. And they were talking about, they're making fun of the homecoming moms. And I thought, well, well, the irony is, is this is as we're speaking about homecoming moms, here we are eating a king cake. That's right. And what, if people don't know what a king cake is, it has a naked little baby that's supposed to represent Jesus <laughs> hidden somewhere inside the cake. So I'm thinking, you think moms are weird. We're, I'm looking for a naked baby, plastic baby in my king cake. That's what's weird. Uh, we had a teacher in Madison it was Mrs. Cole. She she was a um, she was a Mardi Gras uh, fanatic. Like she'd been in she'd been in the parade multiple times. Uh, I think with her husband's work or something. And she loved Mardi Gras. And she would she would teach that she would teach about Mardi Gras in her in her uh, eighth grade language arts class. And next thing you know, like a week later, there would be naked babies all over our school. Kids would go online and buy them in bulk and then just right. put them everywhere and be like, why are there naked babies? And, uh, Mrs. Cole, <laughs> right. man, she was lights out, like so excited to teach about the, uh, about Mardi Gras and, and the kids loved it. They totally bought yeah. in. She'd share some videos and the different parades, you know, from an outsider's point of view, I just saw Mardi Gras as this one big parade that happened. I had no idea there were like multiple. Oh, this is a month where so you got to you first to be in a crew. It's like you know where there's like a parade crew, where there's like a Mardi Gras crew. So the families for generations have been together in the same crew, and they have their own float and their own traditions, and it lasts a month or more. I forget how long. And then all these little ones going in all these different little towns around yeah, Louisiana. Louisiana is like a whole different country, my friend. It's a, <laughs> like it's as soon as you cross the border, it's like you're living in a, it's it's a whole different world. Been there once. Went down there to repossess a car uh, that was that was parked. <laughs> Somebody went and traveled with the circus, left their car sitting down like on the docks or somewhere near the docks of uh, New Orleans, and they flew me down there to bring this car back. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. Now, New Orleans wasn't. It was an incredible experience. Right. It was really cool. But that car, no heat, no air, uh, <laughs> no cruise control. Uh, it was absolutely terrifying. I remember driving through Mississippi and looking up, and it's like 730 at night, and it was 103 degrees. And I'm going through the Mississippi Delta with no air conditioning and a stick shift with, with no cruise. It was terrible. Terrible. 
man, I'm, I'm surprised so- you. I'm surprised you repossessed it, man. Let uh, him have it. Good lord. That's honest to God. It would have been cheaper. <laughs> it would have been cheaper. Well, dude, so so happy to have you on. I'm so excited for everything you're doing. What is up next for Hal Bowman? Listen, we um we're going to. I think this year we have a new. Fo- some focused on you know there's a demographic of kid that no one's talking about that is really struggling i was about to make a video about this today and you know here's the thing we we track demographics um you know this is what we do like we collect data and we see how kids are doing and we know them all we can track track academic achievement by race and ethnicity and we can see who's doing well and who's struggling and we can look at we languages spoken in the home and how much money the parents make mm-hmm. and if they own a house house rent a house or or they're homeless or if they have two parents if they're married or just cohabitating if they're one parent which one do they have a grandparent home no parent home foster parent home we even track um if they have high speed internet but there's one thing we don't track in demographics, and that is the difference in academic achievement between girls and boys. Mm-hmm. And because we don't track it, we don't notice it. And because we don't notice it, we don't talk about it. And that is boys who are struggling. And if we have never seen a decline in academic achievement like we have seen over the last two decades, really, with boys. And right now we're at the point where boys are four and a half times more likely to be expelled from school than girls. 73% of kids with um, a learning disability are boys. We have um, uh, boys um, of 80% of kids taking Ritalin are boys. Five times as many boys are dyslexic than girls. And when they graduate from high school, what we what the result is now, the top 10% of kids achieving in high school, 70% of the top 10% of the graduating class are girls while 70% of the bottom 10% are boys. And downstream from that, going to college, right now, less than more, over 60% are girls, less than 40% are boys. Graduating with a degree, it's two to one. There's two girls for every one boy graduating from college. Wow. And even further downstream from that, if you look at young men 25 years old and under, those guys, those young men 25 years and under, 30% of young men are completely dependent, doing nothing. I'm not saying they're living at home because they're getting their MBA or they're living at home and going to trade school or they're living at home, going to school. No, they're doing nothing. 20, 30% of 25 years and under. And it's a crisis, man. And no one's talking about it. And what, it, you know, and downstream from that in our society, like it's really going to have a traumatic impact here in the next few years. So, I really want to take a look at what we're doing for boys. I've heard you speak about um, boys' brain age uh, before. Is, is, is that something you've touched on? I, I believe, I believe it was you I was listening to talking about well, the, here, the age of a, a girl's brain versus the, the age of a boy's brain. Yeah, man. There's there's so much research to that, and we've always known boys are a few years behind. I think it's more than that. Mm-hmm. But but when we start looking at, you know, but first of all, you know, for a boy to be competitive academically for girls going to college, and what these girls are 17, 18 years old, but that that boy really, in, I mean, they're 14 or 15 at the most in terms of where the girl is. But there's this one part of the frontal lobe of the brain, and I don't remember the name of it, but it's this tiny little part that governs impulse control. And if you take a look at that one, just that one little part, 
for a boy's brain to look like a girl's brain when she is 10 years old, that bo- the boy's going to be 25 years old by the time when his brain is matured in that one area that governs impulse control to be a 10 to 12 year old girl, he's going to be 25. So like that alone, like really what we're doing as parents and teachers, we're trying to govern the front lobe of a brain of the boy's brain because they're wild, man, you know? And so, but it really affects the kids academically, you know, and it's, and there's so, you know, man, I'm at the point where I'm almost ready to say what we're doing in school, in classrooms, in a traditional setting is almost unnatural for a boy. You know, this whole sit down, be quiet, do what you're told. Mm -hmm. Don't think for yourself. Don't make mistakes. Like for most boys, their learning style is up and moving and pushing and shoving and and being active and, and loud. And like that is their natural state at that age. And it's really, really difficult for them to have any kind of success in that traditional rules based setting as a dean ap principal i can tell you those numbers don't surprise me yeah i mean just anecdotally i've just seen it yeah anecdotally you can walk down the hallway of any school in elementary school junior high school we there's if you walk down the hallway the kids that are just that got kicked out of class and they're waiting for the teacher to come out and address it they're all boys yep I mean, they're generally, I mean, there's some girls sprinkled in, but the kids line up to see you in the front office. They're boy. The kids that are in tutoring and got taken out of recess because they failed the test mm-hmm. and they got to go to tutoring. They're all boys, which by the way, is traumatic for a boy to miss recess. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a real struggle. It's an issue. And I, it just, no one's talking about it. There was a book. Um, uh, I think it's called Help for Billy. Have you mm-hmm. heard, heard, read this book? Yeah, um, there's a few of them. The latest book that just came out is written by Richard Reeves of the Brookings Institute. It's called Of Boys and Men. And it talks about this, this shifting demographic and, and what has happened and why. And, man, listen, I could talk about this for days, but just to give you an idea <laughs> – the whole thing changed in 1972 because girls were falling behind boys. There sure. were 13 points behind boys, and, and Title IX kicked That's off. And it, I'm not sure there's been a, a better social initiative than that. It was amazing. Within just a few years, it was even Stephen, boys and girls. But what's changed is we haven't stopped any of those programs for girls, nor should we. Mm-hmm. But there's still nothing for boys. And so those girls are thriving. And, and I want that to keep going. Absolutely. But, like, if you look at, like, just think about, I mean, just something we all, like, we'll see, like, STEM camps for girls, where girls can go to some, the local university for mm-hmm. a week, and it, it is, oftentimes it's free. There are hundreds of those around the nation. There's not, you, there's nothing like that for boys. Right. You know, or, or, the, or this, I've even seen there's leadership, there's a leadership charter school. It said the, the young ladies, or the young women's leadership school down the street from me. There's no young men's leadership mm-hmm. school. Like, what? you know, there's, in fact, when you look at gender specific scholarships, which are there's scholarships out there for college just for boys and some just for girls, the the there's ninety two percent of them are for girls. There there there's twice as many girls are going to college anyway. Wow! And they have ten times more scholarships than boys, and it's really fascinating. And I want that to continue for girls for sure, because it's working and they're thriving. Mm-hmm. But what I also want to do is get the conversation started and let's take a look at what we can do for boys to catch them up. 
And, and with the amount of brain research that's going on right now, I mean, the things we're learning about the brain, I, I think it, it is, I, I think you're right, we're, that's the next door. That's the next door to go through is start looking at gender-specific um, practices. In yeah. some way, shape, or form, it, something has to be done. I appreciate that you're you're putting that effort forth out there because, um, like I said, I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've lived that for the past uh, five, six years of seeing just boy after boy come through. I, I'd always kind of thought, my head worked in a way where I thought, all right, is it is it a issue where, you know, number one, girls, women are more relational naturally anyway. You know, our, I think just our our roles historically, thousands of years of of you know continual uh, development tells us that the relational piece for for women and girls happens. The boys are more physical. You know, just that labor piece, the care, the whatever. Um, but I always wondered too, you know, something that I've I've always felt like my mom didn't understand my outbursts, and I often, as I got older and I got married, my wife didn't understand, you know, some of my outbursts, um, and I wondered, is it is it because they've never experienced that shot of testosterone, and you know, as a as a middle school teacher. I thought to myself, here are boys who all of the sudden at 12, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old for the first time in their life, testosterone hits that brain and they don't know how to react. And, you know, see boys that at fourth grade, they can push and shove and laugh and ha 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 and they move on. But yeah. in sixth, seventh grade, uh, now somebody's watching. Right, and now I'm starting to feel like, oh, oh I, I'm not going to be pushed around. What, what's, and they don't understand what's happening in their own brain because of that new chemical that's being introduced. I wonder if that's some of it, and that's just me, you know, thinking without science backing me. I am not a scientist. I have not done research here, folks. Just right. my thoughts. Yeah, and also it is that for sure. There's great a book. I think it's called T. Maybe I can't. You know, stands for testosterone. I think mm -hmm. I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a great book that addresses all of that. And in addition to that, when these boys do have these troll outbursts and moments where they push and shove and all that stuff, and they get in trouble, well, now they feel like something's wrong with them mm. because they're in a school setting and there's all kind of rules, and people are at now. What is wrong with you? Which is now sets uh. the plants the seed for something's wrong with me because right. now here's this adult asking me what's wrong with me and they don't know and i don't know what, 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 what you know and and so it, it really is a challenging environment um and maybe even more so the more stringent we get and narrow focus with rules and regulations and what's acceptable and all that is it's really really confusing particularly for boys for all kids for sure but it's a very confusing time for boys to grow up. And what does it mean to be masculine? What does it mean to be um, a strong um, male? What, what, what does that mean specifically? And now these kids are left alone with their phone trying to discover this for themselves. Oh, gosh. And it, it creates all kinds of problems for young men. Jordan Peterson, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Jordan Peterson. No. He has a great conversation about um, just masculinity and um, – how to be just that strong male piece where uh, I think one of the things he says in there is um, he, he wants boys to realize 
they can, you know, they can protect themselves or whatever. They should have that heart of, you know, I, I will do whatever it takes, but also know that the, the real, the real joy in that is not having to, you know, understanding right. you have that power. And I can't remember exactly how it's said. And it's, I think it may be, you know, even a biblical verse, but, uh, that piece where, you know, you have that ability Right, but the ability. I forget to the word he uses. It. It's it's something like warrior or yeah, something. something. Yeah, but you're that way. That way you can restrain it and not necessarily use it. Hundred percent. No, and now you know we have all these. I think people are confused when we have these you know internet personalities that come to the forefront. You know, like Andrew Peterson or um, Rogan or you know Andrew Tate, and and kids and people think, oh well, these boys want to. They, they just want to be and they want to be like Andrew Tate. And it's not true. Mm. They they don't want to be what they want is they want to feel the way he feels. Oh. They want to feel confident and feel independent and feel like they matter. They want to feel they're significant, to feel that they're strong. They want to feel like they see how he feels. About it and they, they think to themselves, I want to feel that way about me. Maybe I'll act that way. And that's when we get into the problem because they start misbehaving. But what they really want to feel powerful, to feel empowered and significant, feel like they matter. And to know that it's okay. Yeah. You know, but the the real prize in that is the restraint of it. You know, knowing I have that, I don't have to use it. You know, I, I think that is a, man, what a, that's a feeling of, I don't know how to explain it, man. You know, it's it's a power you possess that you don't even have to use. It's almost a superpower, you know? And we think about, you know, Superman or something, and Superman was incredible, right? But as time went on, he got even more and more powerful, and Peterson talks about this as well, where all of a sudden, he has every power in the world, and nothing can can harm him, you know? All of a sudden, it's like, eh, I'm not interested in Superman anymore. You know? There's got to be something about us that that is vulnerable, and and that needs to be okay. I think that needs to be normalized as well. That there is a vulnerability to us. That yeah, that's part. That's that. That's definitely part of the strength for yeah. sure. And that's where it gets confusing for for boys and well, men. You know, where like where how does that fit in and how is that strong being vulnerable and aren't those conflicting ideas? You know, it's a really time for you know to be not just a boy but as adults to be a role model mm-hmm. for these young men. And that circles back to what we talked about early on. You're mentioning all these fallen, you know, fallen heroes, you know, and I'm air quoting again, folks, heroes of the of the past where the people we put on pedestals, the Bill Cosby's of the world and so on and so forth, where at one point he had a book, Bill Cosby on fatherhood. And uh, <laughs> they've right. fallen and, and people, they have access to see it all the atrocities there and our kids do as well. And you were looking for your phone earlier. I found mine. It's right here in front of me. And boy, there's more computing power right here in the palm of my hand than Ronald Reagan had. Then George, you know, George Bush one had like right there. How that that frightens me, man. It frightens me for these kids that have access to, to things that aren't, ah, I don't know how to how to put it without sounding, <laughs> sounding weird, but just you know, quite honestly, that are poisonous. There's a lot of poison out there. 
it really and it goes into the brain and it stays and i think that's the one thing we don't understand and this is one of the reasons of the downfall and the challenges of boys is but social media and if you look at the the research on how it affects boys and girls differently yes it's it's so traumatic in terms of the self-esteem for young ladies absolutely sure and when we look at how it affects boys is what we don't talk about is this dopamine release so when a kid is on his cell phone and he's you know as a young teen a preteen or in his teen years and he's looking at prank videos on youtube he's looking at porn he's looking at all this wild social media and scrolling through instagram and tiktok is just image after image and the brain lights up for a boy the only way that they have been able to identify like a match for that in like an analogy is when somebody is jumping out of an airplane or some or they've looked at brains um, as Navy SEALs mm-hmm. are doing these training exercises with bombs going off and all the explosions around like that same sort of excitement is what a boy's brain looks like when he's on the when he's on his phone. That so when we start looking about why boys aren't achieving. Well, there you go. Because like you and I, when we were growing up, if you wanted to have a dopamine release, which we didn't know what it was back then, but you had to play sports. You had to get on your bike and build a ramp and jump and break your collarbone like you're supposed to. You You know, you had to go do something. Well, these kids don't have to do anything. And so when people talk about, well, it's not just that. It's like these these boys get in trouble and they don't even care. Well, it's it's not that they don't care. It's they never even get to the emotion of caring because when they act out, they misbehave, they say something, you and I would feel embarrassed mm-hmm. and feel shame and feel guilt and regret like we're supposed to. Then we'd fix our behavior. But this is a this is a generation of kid when a boy does that and they say insulting or whatever they do, as soon as they feel a hint of shame, regret, guilt, or any negative emotion, they get on their phone, they start scrolling, and that dopamine is released and that masks all those emotions that they're supposed to be feeling, they never get to that. So it doesn't change their behavior. Wow, that's an incredible, that's incredibly insightful. Uh, I think it's important that you continue to do that, that work and get it out there. And you're right. I mean, that work is, that work has continually been done uh, on the other side uh, for, for girls. And, you know, as, as a father who raised uh, two incredible young women that um, I have nothing but the highest of hopes for, the opportunities were there for them, and and I'm so thankful for that. But I, I also wonder if we have we overshadowed the needs of boys in implementing all the all the things we've done to make sure that we're we're caring for for women and for young you know for girls and women. Yeah, and, and, and I, I think I, I want I, that to continue. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. That's- Hundred percent. Like I just want, you know, I want to just like we all it took in nineteen seventy-two was we noticed what was happening with our young girls that were falling behind. We got the conversation started and we took action. And it's been awesome ever since. What I want to do is do the same thing. I want people to notice. Let's start the conversation, what's happening, boys, so that we can take action. Man, I appreciate you. Where can everybody find you? Everywhere, Hal Bowman, H-A-L-B-O-W-M-A-N, on social media platforms, at Hal Bowman. And I promise I'll get back in there and get active. And then also HalBowman.com. Man, I love you, brother. Appreciate everything you're doing. Keep up the great work. Keep keep keeping. Uh, keep keeping. You can tell I was not a language arts teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give up, man. I don't quit. Don't that's, worry. I'll keep going. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah, so keep doing what you're doing, man. We so appreciate you, and thanks for thanks for coming on here. I, man, so thankful, folks. Hal Bowman, I am so pumped. So, but I'll get over it. Like I'll have to listen to this about six times. Oh my god, you actually did talk to Hal. But uh, thanks for everybody for listening. I appreciate you all so much. See ya.